In these days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained about the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurius, uh, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from, from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. We find ourselves today kind of in between sermon series. If you're around here much, you know I like to preach kind of in series, and that uh, makes I'm just I like to feel organized, and it just helps me if I know kind of where I'm going over the next few weeks. And and I, you know I think a lot of you kind of like that too. You like to feel like and you know, and we get to go deeper into some subjects and stuff like that by spending a few weeks on them. And so that's kind of what we typically do. And we're actually we just wrapped up last week a series called Prepared, in which we talked about being prepared to give an answer for your faith and how, to, how we can do that uh, without losing our mind, first of all, and how we can do that with, when there's you know, very little time and very little interest available to us. And so that was a really unique series. I want to challenge you, um, to if you missed any of that or all of that, I want to challenge you to go back and listen to it. And I don't do that because I think I'm that awesome. I say that because uh, this, I think, is one of the most significant things that the church as a whole needs to hear. And these ideas, none of them were original to me. These are ideas that I've read and heard from other speakers and authors that I kind of compiled into three messages for us and shared. And I think it's crucial in our day and time that we understand how to practically share our faith in the crossroads of life, you know, when we're out there, just the way our society is, it's a, it's a unique time, we need, we need current methods for sharing our faith, and I want to challenge you to go back and listen to that, it's not your typical share your faith thing, is it, for those of us that were here, it was, it's a little different, and so I want to challenge you to go back and listen to it. Next week we're going to kick off something kind of just totally different than that and totally different than today and that is relationships we're going to have some real talk about relationships and we're going to talk about every kind of relationship under the sun almost you know, with 
we're not going to spend all year on it or something, but we'll talk about friendships, marriages, you know, um, enemies, even just kind of everything in between. Talk about how um, to do relationships like Jesus did. And, and we're going to try and get real about it. And sometimes it might get a little touchy. So uh, <laughs> we'll just see how that goes. So that kicks off next week. But today we're kind of in between series. And this is something that maybe is going to become something of a tradition. We'll see. But Servant Sunday, the idea behind this is that maybe it would be worthwhile for us to spend uh, some time once a year or so to talk about being servants in the church and talk about... Um, also, those who serve in leadership, servant leadership roles in the church. And this might fall around this time of year, especially if uh, the new bylaws that we're working slowly towards and, and, and that we've proposed and, and we're going to be proposing a, a new kind of compromise amendment to the proposal. That's how these things go. And so uh, we'll be doing that before long. But if those are enacted by next year or the year after that or ever, then there's going to be a first time where our church as a whole will have a voice in recommending names uh, to a nominating committee and saying we think these people are highly qualified for this position or that position for a spiritual leadership role or a business leadership role and and so I think along with that it'll make sense that each year we spend some time reminding ourselves of some biblical principles of leadership and what kind of people you know we ought to be recommending in that case so this is something that you know may come up once a year or so. And I think it's important that we have strong servant leadership. Otherwise, uh, you know, how can we ever hope to be a church that lives boldly and cares deeply and keeps Jesus as our subject? If we, We've got to keep our eye on the ball, and, and servant leadership helps do that. And so uh, that's kind of the idea here. Now, in ministry... We often use a couple of terms, kind of funny terms, to describe uh, a lot of times the people like me and the people like you. And, and we, we call the people like me clergy. This almost sounds, for some reason it just kind of sounds like a laundry term or something. I don't know why. Clergy. And then, and then we have laity. All right, and And so a lot of times in our church culture we call it pastors and lay people. I'm sorry that you guys get called lay people. It's just a funny name to get called. I, I didn't make it up. I would have called you something really cool. Uh, but anyway, you get to be called lay people. And in my own life, uh, I've got one in my direct lineage that I'm aware of, one uh, clergy member. That was my great grandfather that many of you either know of or knew because he was a, a prominent pastor in this um, part of Louisiana. One of the best in my opinion, but I'm biased. And, uh, but other than that, my family, you know, they've been involved in church for a long time, but they've been lay people. They've been involved in what we call lay leadership of the church. And so I grew up, you know, by the time I can remember anything, my great-grandfather was retired from full-time ministry. And, and so the examples before me were my grandfather and my father, who both served in uh, strong late leadership roles, whether it uh, as the chairman of churches or uh, on boards of trustees at, at like our Christian universities, things like that. And so I just lived in a family where that was the norm, serving in and lay leadership was the norm. And so, you know, I've, have you ever met someone who says, you know, I'm 
I'm 50, but I still feel 35. <laughs> you know, when, when I think of myself, I'm, I think 35. You know, well, sometimes I've been in ministry now, full-time vocational ministry for, I guess this is my ninth year I'm working on here, and sometimes I still feel like a lay leader <laughs> because that's just what I always thought I'd be, I guess, and I'm still kind of surprised and sometimes uncomfortable uh, feeling being the on the other side of it, you know. But... Um, I was thinking back, you know, just about the importance of lay leadership. And I guess maybe because of my heritage, I just put high value on it. And, uh, you know, part of my experience growing up was in a church not so different from ours. Uh, It was called Fairview Church of God. And that was a picture of Easter one year, probably sometime in the 90s. We can say 96 or 7, maybe. And uh, that window back there, you can't tell, but... There's a big window behind the stage, uh, behind where the preacher preaches. And behind that window, it's all backlit right now, but there's desert mountains back there. And it's some of the prettiest desert mountains that you've ever seen. In fact, they're some of the most... Usually people don't like to photograph the desert mountains because they're just brown. (laughs) But these were particularly nice ones. I'll show you a picture someday of those. But uh, So, you know, if if the preacher wasn't doing good, you just enjoyed the view. And so we called it Fair View Church of God <laughs> instead of Fair Preaching. But um, <laughs> we, we, my dad, when we got there, they had elders and they had deacons, and and it was a Church of God, Fair View Church of God, and and they, uh, dad became chairman of the elders. It seemed like pretty quickly, and 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 maintained a role like that for a lot of the time that we were there and a lot of the time that I was growing up. And so I kind of got like a front row seat to, to all that went on sometimes, you know. And uh, there were some interesting times, I'll have to say. And probably if you've been involved in leadership in any church at some point, you probably had some interesting times because they just kind of come with the territory sometimes. Uh, but, you know, whether, it's, whether it was a, a, you know, a pastor going through like a divorce situation or uh, a pastor who, you know, used the... Uh, Use the pulpit to give an ugly resignation, or uh, whether it was trying to talk to the church through, hey guys, we just don't have the volunteers or the funds to keep these doors open anymore. Dad had to do a lot of really tough conversations and uh, really stressful situations and help navigate through some really choppy waters. Not too many people, well, I mean, if you ask any of us, Hey, would you like to sign up to navigate through some choppy waters? <laughs> you know, not too many hands would go up for that. But thankfully, there are people that God raises up to be servant leaders and to help uh, have the tough conversations, make the tough calls, have them uh, deal with the stress that deteriorates their health. You know, also, God's kingdom work can continue on as best it can. And... So even, you know, as a kid, I was left with the clear understanding, you know, that not only does a church need uh, hardworking servants, but it also needs hardworking servant leadership. Now, if there was ever a church that had a strong history and, and currently strong lay leadership, it's got to be Cypress Street Church of God, right? I mean, I before I even... I mean, I had heard strong lay leadership before I, you guys were even really on my radar as far as 
um, considering to come here or anything like that. I just, through family association, knew that you guys had strong lay leadership here. And that became really evident when I was going through the process with your pulpit committee. And the leaders on there just made it obvious that, uh, I mean, they were prompt, they were uh, effective, they were on the ball and getting things done. And that's just not always the case. I mean, I've had friends going through processes where they're just like months in limbo, <laughs> trying to, what are you guys going to do? And they're like, well, just wait, <laughs> you know, and, and just hear nothing from them for months, you know, and finally like, well, I got to move on here. So um, it's just not always the case. And a lot of churches and a lot of pastors would give their left arm to have one or two of the lay leaders this church has. And so we're blessed in that regard. But even so, it's worthwhile, I think, for us to take a look at lay leadership today, servant leadership today, why it's important and how it's important, and just some biblical principles about it. And if you find yourself here today and, and you know, you're already in lay leadership, well, this is obviously for you. But if you find yourself here today and you don't really want anything to do with it, in fact, church politics and all that stuff bores you at best, well, there's still a part of this that's for you as well. And I think, uh, I pray that God will speak into your life and help show you some of what's important about it from a biblical standpoint. Uh, as we go, we may also get to talk a little bit about the motive behind some of the changes that were proposed with the bylaws that we have going on and how those tie into biblical principles and, and kind of the, just the motive and the heart behind some of it. But the scripture that we read today uh, came from Acts, the book of Acts. And, and the book of Acts is an account of, you know, the Gospels are the account of Jesus and his life. Well, the, Acts, the book of Acts is the account of the early church of the apostles as they went out and, and started the church and began preaching the gospel and as people began to join this new movement. And it's really a very fascinating and exciting book. There's, there's not much of a dull moment when it comes to how the church began. Uh, it's really a pretty riveting read. But our account today deals with kind of one of those church governance, church leadership issues. And what we read was that there were some complaints that came up. Now imagine that. <laughs> Surely not. But there, there were some things that weren't getting done just so. There, was, there were some things that were not being done in the spirit of unity and love as they should have been, or at least they weren't being perceived that way by some in the church. And so these complaints, these concerns, made their way to the apostles. And the apostles said wisely, hey, if we get involved with sorting everything out like this, then we're not going to have time for the things that are, are our number one priority for our role in the church. And so what we have is one of the first examples, I guess the first example in the church where um, responsibility was divided up, leadership responsibility was divided up of Hey, we'll take care of the oversight of the church. We'll take care of the guidance of the church. We'll take care of, you know, passing on what Jesus taught and making sure that the church's mission stays on point. And let's find some other high caliber leaders to take on the resource management part of things. And so this is really the first time where we see the division of, you know, spiritual oversight and, and resource oversight. And I think that's, 
it's pretty significant. And that, mo- that model that they set was then modeled later at the local church level. As we read, you know, Paul wrote letters and talked about to local pastors, talking about here's the kind of person you look for as a spiritual overseer, or sometimes some translations say elders. And, you know, here's someone you look at as, as a deacon, which was more like the people that we read about here that were overseeing resources. And so it became, you know, it's clear that this model that the apostles set went on and was replicated by local churches who also saw the need to divide up those responsibilities. Now it was obvious also, as we'll see, that 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 was done very purposefully and not nonchalantly, wasn't it? So not only did the Apostle Paul write down a set of guidelines and send those off to a local pastor and say here's the sort of things you're looking for when you look for someone that's going to oversee the resources and here's the kind of thing you're going to look for when you look for someone that's going to you know, oversee the churches from a spiritual standpoint but also he gave us a principle that's very important that applies to any kind of servanthood in the church and the Apostle Paul gave this famous illustration of the church as a body, as the body of Christ, and how each of us makes up a different part of that body. And just as, you know, my finger has a different function than my mouth, so we each have different functions in the church, and each function is needed for the body to do well, to perform as it should. And so likewise, the church is made up of different members, different people, who all have different functions and different roles and different gifts and different abilities. And yet each is important. And each is vital. And each fulfills something that only they can fulfill and bring to the table. And this certainly has to apply to leadership and every kind of service to the church. Now these are a few examples from our New Testament that that speak unto this issue of leadership and I think that we can draw four things from them. And and these, if you want to use your note card today, are listed on there and we can fill out those blanks kind of as we go. You also have in your bulletin, wedged in there, uh, this Servant Sunday survey. (laughs) We could call it that. How about that? And uh, some of you, I know your personalities, you've already finished it. (laughs) because that's just how you are. Others of you set it aside and haven't given another thought to it. And uh, either way, it's just fine. And I'll talk to you more about it in just a minute. But for now, you've got something that looks like this. And I think from what we just talked about that we find in Scripture about servant leadership, we can take some basic principles and look at them one at a time. And the first one is... But maybe the most, I don't know, straightforward, duh, Neil, things that I've said. But leadership is necessary. It's necessary. It's obvious from looking at the Bible or just taking a look around our world that in any kind of organization, in any kind of movement, in any kind of group, leadership of some kind is necessary. In fact, there's a biblical principle from the Proverbs that goes along with this that says, without vision, the people are unrestrained. Or there's uh, 
confusion, chaos reign, you know. Um, but happy is he who keeps the law. In other words, you know, I mean, you have to, to have vision that, that everyone's focused on. There has to be some kind of leadership. Those go hand in hand. And, and so where there's a lack of leadership and vision, then things aren't going to go, you know, they're not going to be coordinated. There's not going to be unity of purpose. It's just going to be kind of chaos. But in a, in a place where there is good servant leadership and where the people can buy into that servant leadership, well, then everyone gets on the same page and there's, there can be happiness in that scenario. There's order and there's, uh, there's a sense of common purpose that goes with that. And so leadership is necessary for that, you know, just to make things work right. And we all, we all understand that. In our church historically has had, like we've said, strong leadership um, that's helped things be stable through the years. Most of the general leadership in our church is provided by the board of trustees and the council and the pastor. And then we have other boards and committees that focus on specific areas. And, but, but we have those groups that are charged with overseeing the larger issues of the church. Kind of like... Um, Kind of like what we see with the early church where, where the apostles were dealing with the spiritual oversight of the church and the deacons that they appointed, high caliber people that were dealing with the resource management of the church. And so similarly, these groups have overseen things in our church. And I know one of the, one of the concerns that came up you know, with the with the proposed bylaws, and, and essentially what we were proposing on on this part of it was, you know, that we have a leadership team set up that would kind of help oversee the spiritual oversight kind of thing of the church, like the board of trustees does the resource oversight, and then you'd have a uh, a spiritual servant leader side too, to kind of complement the two. And and one of the concerns, you know, that and we'll get into this more in a second, but it's just that the uh, the council, you know, is there to help provide that. But they also each have their primary responsibilities of providing leadership to their specific ministry areas. And so the only person whose primary job is the spiritual oversight of the church is the pastor. And it's debatable whether it's a good idea to put all your eggs in this basket. <laughs> all right? So, um, so we'll kind of talk more. That really kind of segues into the next thing, which is leadership should be shared. Should be shared. And we see that in the sense that uh, the apostles were sharing leadership with one another. You know, there was 12 of them. Uh, we see this in the sense that they didn't appoint just one person to oversee the resource management. We also see this in the sense that they didn't just hoard all the power and say, "No, we'll manage the resources and tell you what to do." And you know, we're gonna we're gonna you know lead this whole thing. So if you want anything, come through us. You know, but they, no, they shared authority, they shared responsibility, they shared servant leadership with other servants in the church. And so, likewise, you know, it's important for us to do that at this level and our church like we said has already in the past divided up those responsibilities as well between the pastor council and, and the board of trustees now like I mentioned you know 
this, the way we've kind of got it right now, sort of leaves the pastor alone as the only one that has, that's his primary responsibility. And there's other folks that help him along and have through, through the years, um, but they also have their other primary responsibilities that they are in charge of as well. And so I just want to submit to you today that it was out of that heart, out of that, uh, that concern and that motive that the leadership team was suggested in the first place. And it was a, an attempt to, for the pastor to be able to share some of that responsibility with some lay leaders of the church. Instead of having that you know, mostly rest on his shoulders, it was an attempt to uh, increase lay leadership, if anything, and not decrease lay leadership. And I just wanted to clear up the confusion on the, if there was any confusion, on the motive behind that proposition. It was not to try and still or monopolize anything, but just to say it's good to share leadership. And it's biblical to share leadership. In fact, you know, there's, there's some churches who, who, you know, maybe they hold their pastor a little too accountable. <laughs> you know, I've heard of those scenarios where they won't let the pastor do anything, um, you know, without running it by them first. And they like to shoot down things. And that's why they go through pastors a lot. And then there's the, you know, the other side of the spectrum where the pastor just does whatever he wants. And there's no oversight. And neither one of those is really a healthy thing. And so, you know, we want to shoot for striking a balance where we're sharing leadership together, we're growing together, we're working, we're dreaming together, we're trying to find out, you know, what does God have in store for our church together. And I think that's a really healthy thing. And that's what the ideal of shared leadership looks like. And this is also valuable to you as a church. It's valuable to me as a pastor. Um, to know that when, if, you know, if I'm incapacitated for any reason, I can rest assured that there are leaders already in position to carry the torch until I can be back in go mode, you know, or whatever. And, and likewise for you, if in those seasons where you find yourself without a pastor, to have stable people already in those positions that the church can look to for leadership in those seasons of life too, that as well is helpful. And another benefit of sharing leadership of that kind. Now another thing about that we gather from what we read and talked about from what we see of church leadership in scripture is that it needs to be purposefully selected. Purposefully selected. I mean when you look at the apostles, you know, we read that Jesus stayed up all night praying before he called those 12 disciples. I'm sure he gave more thought to it before that. And more prayer to it before that. But just, I mean, the night before, we're told he stayed up and prayed. He picked those disciples purposefully. And likewise, in turn, the apostles were purposeful in selecting the uh, men that they turned over the resource oversight to. You know that they were. I mean, for one, they said, let's find some high caliber people to do this. And... For two, you see that they did find high-caliber people. One of those people was Stephen, who we read was martyred for his faith and in a a pretty spectacular fashion stood up for his faith. And uh, these were high-caliber people that they shared responsibility with. These were people who were gifted for that purpose. Uh, They sought people who this was going to be their thing. This was going to be their role in the body of Christ. And so they were purposeful about it. Similarly, we see that Paul wrote to 
a local pastor named Timothy, and he said, you know, basically, hey, you need to be purposeful when you select these overseers or elders and these deacons that are going to oversee resource. You need to be careful about it, you know. And, and he gave quite a list of things to Timothy to look for, whether it was making sure that they maintain their own household well or making sure that they are men and of integrity, you know, and people of integrity, making sure that they didn't, you know, weren't making dishonest gain. I mean, there was a long list that he gave. Uh, make sure they have clear consciences and so forth. So it's clear that leadership should be purposefully selected. And leadership in our church has been purposefully selected, especially with the, um, the pastor. You guys are very purposeful about that. There's a whole committee formed to seek out, and, and there's a whole process that they go through. Also, we're very purposeful with how we select board members of the trustees and the CE and the missions. Uh, all those are purposefully selected by a nominating committee that looks at our church and says, who are people who are gifted for this, who might be called to this, who might you know, be passionate about this ministry area, and let's try to put those people in those places. And then the church votes and, and says whether they agree that those people are a good fit for that. Uh, the council, though one of the things that you know was another thing we were trying to get at is, is purposefully selected spiritual leadership as well like we have of those other kinds of leadership and of the resource oversight and that kind of thing. And so the board's very purposefully selected and the council though is, is a kind of a hodgepodge mix of leaders and they've done they're all really great people, they've done a great job and, and so it's not this is not some sort of uh, you know, critique of their efforts or anything like that, it's just to say that as purposeful as we are about choosing board members who are going to oversee the finances of our church we should be at least that purposeful in selecting people who are going to primarily oversee the spiritual leadership of our church. And so if, uh, if next year this time we have another one of these Sundays and, and it's the first time that names are submitted, we would show you a couple of different lists, kind of like Paul gave Timothy of, you know, here's some practical kind of qualification, not qualification so much as just characteristics of the kinds of people that we would love to be serving in these roles. Whether it's, uh, let's look at the business one first. This would be like a business team similar to like board of trustees and things like supporting the church financially, things like honesty and integrity, things like taking responsibilities seriously uh, seem like things that we would want in the people that are going to be having their, uh, having control over the church's property and, and money and all that kind of stuff. There's, you don't want to just you know, throw anybody at the wheel of that, right? We want people who are qualified for that. And similarly with the leadership team, we would want you know, people who are regularly involved, of course, who are spiritually mature, who are willing to serve, things like this. Now, on all those things, also to clear up you know, any kind of confusion about that, I just want to make it clear, we're not um, asking you to, to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the person's name who you would submit meets every one of those criteria any more than Paul expected Timothy to know for sure that everyone he was you know, suggesting for deacon of his local church had a clear conscience. 
how do you know? <laughs> you know? No one can dive into their conscience and tell. And similarly, we're not asking you to crane your neck around and see who's given and who's not given or anything like that. We are simply saying, you know, here's some characteristics of the kind of people just to give us a guidance. You know, hey, what kind of person in our church do I think probably meets these um, characteristics of a person that would fit well in this leadership role? And in this way, both of these leadership areas the spiritual side and the resource management side can be done uh, equally purposefully. So, who knows, maybe next year this time you'll see those lists again and, and we'll be suggesting a few names. The last thing is simply to say, uh, I don't I guess I have the fourth one up there for some reason or else I misplaced it. No, I just left it out. Sorry, I won't be able to put it up there for you, so you're just going to have to listen hard and hope you can spell. All right, (laughs) number four, leadership should be honored but not glorified. Leadership should be honored but not glorified. And the New Testament teaching on this is very clear. Leadership should be honored. That was very obvious when you read the New Testament, whether it's the accounts that we read in Acts or in the Gospels or in the letters that were written by leaders, to leaders, about leaders, uh, it's obvious that they should be honored. And I just want to say that if you ever find yourself in a church or in a state organization or in a national level organization where you feel like you're constantly at odds with the leadership of that church, where you're constantly paranoid that they are uh, doing the wrong thing or that they're going to lead your church astray. If you find yourself constantly working against the leadership of your church, then there's a couple of possibilities at work. One is you have terrible leadership. <laughs> you, know, you should go somewhere else that has good leadership or, or find some new leadership. Or you might should check your attitude and your heart Because that's not the way it's designed to work. It's also possible if you find yourself constantly at odds with what your church is wanting to do that it's just not a very good cultural fit for you. And you don't hear many pastors say, find a church that's a good cultural fit for you (laughs) because no one wants anyone to leave, right? Because, you know, whether that's dollars or numbers or faces or, you know, whatever the case may be. And it's relationships and it's friends. But I've seen, and probably several of you have seen in this room, people who were miserable at a church for years, and frankly kind of made other people miserable while they were there, that later went and found a church that was a better fit for them, and they were happier, and that church was happier to have them, and the other church was happier too, you know. So it's, it's possible that that's at work as well. But one thing is clear, that the church's leadership, that if it's, per- if it's prayerfully and purposefully selected, should be honored. And the decisions that they make, not that everyone should then be a bunch of sheep and just fall into line, not saying that. Just saying that those people are selected by you and they're selected by God and put in that place and time, we believe, through prayer and purposeful selection, to spend time deliberating, time that you don't have, deliberating and praying over the big stuff that they bring to you. And you, hopefully, if you have good leadership, they're doing that. They're being deliberate and purposeful about it. They're not just throwing stuff out there at you. 
on a whim. And so there's something about having the humility to say, they put in more time and prayer on that than I have. And I'm going to trust the leadership that God's placed here in this time. There's something honoring about that that's healthy for a church and is biblical. But the only leader who is glorified is Jesus Christ. And he is the head of the church. And that is also clear in the New Testament. And beyond Jesus Christ, the rest of us, though our roles be different, we are equals in God's sight and should be in each other's sight. And there's this neat passage that the Apostle Paul writes where he says, talking about that body illustration, God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And so we want servant leaders, not just leaders. Servant leaders who, as they are honored, also honor in turn the other servants of the church. And that's called unity. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's the way that the church was designed to operate. So I, I hope that, you know, as we've gone through this and as we've talked through this, that, you know, maybe some of the, the heart behind some of the, the bylaw changes, if you were aware of any of them in the first place, you know, maybe some of the heart behind it is, is hopefully more clear. And like I say, we're, we have some changes that we're making to the original proposals based on feedback that we got at the question and answer thing and we're going to change some things up with um, the way the council was and in the in the proposal and that kind of thing and so um, so we'll be sharing more details with you as it comes uh, time and as we all get our lives settled back down on the bylaws committee and are able to get back to work on it uh, so thank you for your patience and all that and um, thank you And uh, so, okay, that was just a note about, I'll explain that in a second. But, uh, so anyhow, we have that to look forward to. And hopefully next year, like I say this time, we'll be maybe celebrating with some leaders who are finishing their terms. Or, um, you know, maybe we'll be uh, submitting some names, things like that. But we want to, from time to time, just refresh ourselves on, on why servant leadership is important. We want to remind our church's leadership that they need to have a servant's heart and, and be humble and, you know, all of us that are in that role. And likewise, the rest of us that are serving in various areas, it's just a different area. It's not any less important. And so we need to honor one another and serve together so that the body of Christ can function well and move forward for the kingdom. Now today, uh, we were going to honor someone uh, who wasn't able to be here today. But I want to go ahead and just share with you a little bit about um, that someone, and then we'll honor them the next time that they're here. And, uh, but that person is you know, talking about faithful servant leadership. Uh, we get to celebrate with Larry Hogue very soon. He let the board know that 
his, uh, he'd like to finish up his term as our treasurer, his like 40 year term. <laughs> All right. Some people serve the church faithfully and then there's Larry Hogue, you know. And uh, so he is just an incredible example to all of us of what it looks like to uh, serve faithfully for decades. He's um, four decades that he served either um, off and on, and, but mostly on as the church's treasurer. And, you know, our, our church has, uh, has had sound finances for a long time. And that's a testament to the givers of this church. But it's also a reflection, isn't it, of, of Larry's faithfulness at the job of treasurer. And so we're so thankful um, for four decades of service. Even as the board starts looking to, hey, what's next, you know. And, and we've got to figure that out. And they're working hard on that. But uh, we're going to celebrate Larry, and he wasn't feeling up to it today, so we'll celebrate it uh, him the next time that he's here. We just got like a little plaque we're going to give him and things like that, and and so we look forward to to celebrating with Larry in in the future when he fills up to being here. But um, but let's just even in his absence give a round of applause and celebrate. And. Um, I told you I'd mentioned the this, and I just wanted to, to give the, this is just kind of an overview of a lot of the ministries we have going on in our church, and a lot of you already serve in these various places. Um, but some of you may be relatively new to our church, or you're coming out of a season where you weren't able to serve, and now you feel like you have some time freed up to serve. And so, I uh, just want to ask you to spend a few moments. Filling this out if you haven't already. Uh, it says to write a one beside serving opportunities you'd like to receive more information about. Like you might be interested in serving in that area. And then a two by areas that you already serve in. If you plan to continue to do so. If you'd like to continue to do so. So, um, Larry, you know, sets a good example for us all. Like we said, you know, people like Larry who serve so faithfully year in and year out to this church. And, and we need servants. We need servants who are willing to give and dedicate their time to kingdom work here at Cypress Street Church of God. And so I just want to encourage you as, uh, as a trio comes and sings and as the praise team leads us in song to consider how you might want to serve. And let me tell you this as well. Someday or another someone might ask you to do something uh, that you didn't see coming. And instead of just running for it, <laughs> spend some time prayerfully considering it. As many people have been asked to do things that they weren't sure about, and, and most of them, if they prayed about it and decided that they should give it a try, they didn't live to regret it. And so I just want to uh, challenge you to do the same. God might throw something new at you that you never saw coming. And don't miss out on the blessing of serving in God's church. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for servants in your kingdom. People who give so much and so faithfully of their time and their energy and the gifts that you've given them and equipped them with. And God, I guess just as part of our culture, sometimes we get caught up in the what's in it for us or do I have time to really give to this when I've got so many other things that I'd like to do. But the servants of God remind us that your kingdom 
It's about so much more than what's in it for us. Holy Spirit, continue to raise up the kinds of servants that this church needs for the next seasons of ministry for your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.